You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show. You ever thought to yourself, it's really hard to be a boss. I'm trying to be nice and I'm trying to be clear, but it's working against me. Well, today we're going to talk about how to be the boss and a nice person at the same time with my partner here, Dr. Barrett Straub, who is our CEO. And transparently, this is one of the hardest things ever. We share our journey and three tips to help you be a boss and a nice person at the same time. So make sure you guys check it out. I know you'll enjoy it. We'll see you soon. I am ready. I'm Welcome ready. back. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. This is our Monday afternoon podcast. And what's really cool is Barrett comes up with great topics that are real challenges for dentists and team members. And today we're going to be talking about one that's going to make me sweat through the whole one. <laughs> me too. It's how to be the boss and a nice person at the same time. And is it possible? I don't know. Is it? Well, we're still trying to find out. Yeah. But yes, I think so. Okay. So you can be the boss and be nice at the same time. Okay. So if you're listening, I'm just going to tell you, I'm 53 years old, 26 years of owning Act Dental. This is the podcast. I wish I'd have gotten at 26 years old. Yeah. And it would have saved me a lot of stomach lining. So thanks for orchestrating this. You're welcome. And you and I were, you and I were just talking before Andy hit record in that we're very much figuring this out as we go as well. Right. You know, we don't have this figured out and, and we fail, we fail at this all the time. Right. And I'm going to borrow what Patrick Lencioni says. This is a joke that he uses, but I use it too. I have been clinically diagnosed as a wuss, which means it is very difficult for me to be tough with people. I love people. I want everybody to be happy. And what you learn is that it doesn't always work that way. Mm -hmm. You want everybody, you want to be nice to everybody. You want to, everybody to get along and it doesn't go in that direction and there's learning that happens. And so let's start here. Yeah. Why is this such a big deal for dentists? Maybe you can go into the psychological makeup of a dentist. Right. Well, I'd like to think we're all, most of us are really nice people. Right. I think that's true. And um, we're learning as we go. We graduate down school, we get into a practice, we've become leaders, and we're learning on the job how to lead. 
And our human desire is to be liked. That's just an innate human desire that we all have. We want to be liked by other people. And so our first assumption is that if I am liked by my team, they will view me as a good leader. Right. And the pain point is that, that that's not true. And actually, the desire to be liked pulls you further away from elective leadership. Why is that? Because your team isn't looking for you to be nice. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Right. So yes. I'll, I'll go down the, the broken road path. Uh, I wanted to be liked. And then I realized you have to have like and respect. Yep. And I've learned a little bit, and as I'm still learning, like is a byproduct. Mm-hmm. You can start with like, but the real like happens as a result of doing the right thing, being consistent. And let me just bear my soul right away, because that'll be a good way. Go we're we're going to turn this into a therapy session. Love it. So our coach gave us a series of videos in the last um, session she had with yep. us. And her name is Jamie, and which is great. I think everybody should have a coach. And one of the videos was a Jim Collins video, and he said, the signature of mediocrity is chronic inconsistency. Mm -hmm. I watched it four times, Mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, that was me. Mm -hmm. And I was chronically inconsistent. I was going with where everyone's emotions were, where I could go today. And um, what I found is that I made more, more great people miserable over this process. And so... Leadership is hard. Yeah. We have to learn this and you can't, I, I would say leadership is not one of those things you just kind of figure out. There's a combination of learning while you're on the job, but then you also have to have a mentor, somebody who can teach you how to be a boss. Yeah. You know, so tell us about that. Yeah. We, we all need mentors. We have to see what it's like. And, and that's a, a good point. Part of, part of the challenge is that our culture portrays leaders. If you think about movies, you think mm-hmm. about like, I don't know if you watch the movie six or the show succession on HBO no. or billions. They, they, we portray in Hollywood, these strong leaders that are really poor leaders. They, we portray leaders as this autocratic, um, heavy handed rule by fear leadership. And that's f- so far from the truth. Right. However, we have to start thinking as Dennis and leadership. We, the, the whole like being liked as a boss is a different mindset than being liked as a friend or an acquaintance. Right. Okay. And so once we get that different definition of what it is to be liked as a boss, we can start to be more intentional about the things that, that will make us a good boss and make us an effective leader. And really, you know, the first concept that we like to say is what is nice being clear. Clear is nice is what our, our coach Jenny Poulos always says. Yeah. So tell me about that. Well, and I share the same concept, but it's better to be clear than it is to be nice. And um, I have two dogs. I'll tell you my dog story. Many people heard this. So I took our two dogs who were unruly because they were puppies to the dog whisperer. Okay. And I remember going, it was very expensive. Mm-hmm. And the first day I thought, when are you going to work with the dogs? And we didn't even work with the dogs. And then I thought to myself, this has nothing to do with the dogs. And she's like, the dogs are not the problem. And she said something like this, those two crates, you will point and those dogs will go to the crates. And I was like, yes, whatever. Now it wasn't about being mean. It wasn't about being heavy handed. It was about being consistent. Yes. Consistent, clear direction. And I have four children too, 22, 20, 18. Those are my girls. Yeah. And I've learned the hard way, I'm still learning with my son, clear is way more important 
been nice. Clear is just, it's very, very kind when you're mm-hmm. simple and clear. Here's a challenge for you if you're a leader watching or listening. Say more with fewer words. Yeah. You know, whether it be actions, simple, sometimes we talk too much. Mm-hmm. And I've learned you just can be clear and respect, you, you know, respect is greater than like. Tell us about that. Yeah. I want to be, as a leader, I've always thought, I don't need to be liked. I'd, I'd like it. Right. It'd be, you know, that would be beneficial, but we have to start with respect. Right. So if, if my team respects me, I'm great with that. If they also like me, that's a bonus. Right. But I'm not here to be liked. I'm here to be respected. And, you know, I, I think in the workplace, there's an overlap between those two words. Right. You know, um, but we, we talk about clear is nice, but there's, there's another word that comes across, uh, along with clear and that's consistency. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you, you know, we were talking earlier about culture of discipline and about inconsistency and you were talking about being consistent. So I think consistently clear right. is the nicest of all. Right. Expand on that. Yeah. Well, and again, if you're thinking in terms of concepts that you can start tomorrow, I, I'll give you one more bonus tip here. When, re, when I read the book Traction, yep. it was an operating system that I could enforce these principles in. They're a set of rules. Okay. It's a real regular set of rules that when you stick to them, um, you can start to employ a lot of these. Let yeah. me be really clear about what this means. Let me be really clear about what we're looking to accomplish. Everyone else can see those rules too, and they follow them. So for me, I needed a framework, a system, even running a team meeting yeah. would become unruly if I was trying to run it only because I would want to start with something funny. And then I would go down a rabbit hole when people would present a problem. And then I learned you don't address problems during a meeting all the time. You learn to plan, you know, one of our first coaches that came in here, he's like, listen, this is a planning session. This is not a solution session. Now you gotta do a little bit of both. You gotta figure that stuff out and you've gotta be able to guide people ultimately in healthy communication. So I like the idea of having some type of rules. Yeah. You know, when you have regular rules that everyone could agree on, it's good. I violated the rules because I tolerated bad behavior. I thought, core values were, you know, something which we're going to get into in just a second, but like I would tolerate bad behavior and nothing frustrates a great team member than when you consistently tolerate a bad one. Mm -hmm. That was me. Yeah. I was trying to make everybody happy. Right. So, and it, and it came from a good place. It came from good intent. Right. You know, it came from wanting to be a good leader, but what, what you just said a minute ago really resonated with me. So traction Mm-hmm. And the methodology of that gave us here at ACT a framework. It gave us direction. It gave us a ending point, an outcome that as long as we stayed focused on that, there's some latitude in how we got there. Right. So we call, you know, we've heard, I've heard people talk about it. Give your team a hallway, not railroad tracks. So railroad right. tracks, you have, you, you are only going to go in one direction. Right. On hallway, you're still going to get to the goal. You're still going to go in one direction, but there's some, there's some latitude in how you get there. And, and your team wants that uh, decision-making. They want that autonomy. They, they want that fulfillment in that, Hey, we're going to go there, but you're going to help me get there. And the path might, deviate just a little bit, but we're going to stay within the, these guidelines called the, the walls of the hallway. Right. Because the railroad tracks imply there's a lot of micromanaging. Yes. It's got to be exactly the way I want it every single time. Yes. And the truth is that doesn't work really well. Mm-hmm. And I'm an eye on the disc profile. Mm-hmm. You're 
a, you know, a DC. Yeah. So I like people, I think in terms of pictures and concepts. So me trying to micromanage details just doesn't work. I love the hallway aspect of things. Yeah. Right. And you know, this concept really has been the foundation of how we coach our, our pro coaching clients in that instead of saying, Hey, here's 82 systems. You've got to do these 82 systems, do them exactly our way and then go to work. Right. That's, that's a railroad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so we've really taken this this philosophy and put it into our own coaching in that we provide our clients a strategic system. Right. Hey, we're going to help you decide who you are, core values, where you're going. And we're going to provide the framework, that hallway that now the dentist can take their teams and walk them through. Here's the direction. I need right. your help getting there. And to your point, then when things get a little messy. You fall back on the system. You fall back on the method. You fall back on the concepts. And then that disallows us from getting way off of target because human nature is going to take us way off of target unless we, unless we have that chance to pull back in, have the system, as you said, to fall back on. Right. And the system creates the discipline that we're looking for. If you look at any dental practice that's grown and scaled without a considerable you know, addition of stress, they have disciplines in place. Even the biggest DSOs know we've got to have a discipline in how we communicate, how do we, how does cash get handled here? You know, you bring in multiple people or other people that are going to be on the leadership team. You got to teach everybody how to communicate. Most, <laughs> most teaching has to go up to the top, you know, right? because the leaders screw things up. And uh, this discipline creates a flywheel. Things grow you feel you can do more without feeling like we're working that much harder. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, to kind of wrap a bow on clear is nice when you have this culture of discipline, mm-hmm. as you're talking about, um, and we talk about, you, we want to know you, you want, we want your team to know what to expect. Meaning I don't know exactly how the day is going to go. I know there's going to be hurdles. I know there's going to be obstacles, but I know what's going to happen. Right. We're going to figure it out. We're going to behave in this way. We're going to use our strategic plan to, to answer questions and make decisions. And so I don't have the exact picture, but I know how the day is going to go Yeah. and how we're going to treat one another and how we're going to talk and how the doctor is going to, you know, expect me to come with solutions, not just problems. And when you can give that clarity to your team, they're going to help you lead. They're going to help you get to that outcome. Yeah. You got to leave space for that. We see, we heard it this morning, you know, uh, some teams that grow, they feel like, oh, we got our feet underneath us. We don't have to meet as much anymore. And you are like, warning, warning, warning. It's like saying, my family's great. My wife and I are good. We don't have to go to date night anymore. You have to maintain that alignment at the top or that's when the wheels come off. Agree? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. If you're not talking via weekly team meetings, things are going to go awry. It's the date night analogy. You always use the the family eating dinner together. As soon as you stop those habits, you're just inviting problems. Right. And so I don't mind sharing this because that's what we do on the podcast. This morning, our traction team, Chris, pointed out, we need to come up with a Labor Day policy because we typically meet on Mondays. Now, just to give you an example, if you're listening, that's a whole week and a half or two weeks before we would meet again mm-hmm. on certain things just because a holiday interrupted. And I had like a, I had like some chest pain. I'm like, listen, we have to, at all costs, when yeah. we miss a day for a holiday, 
we got to get back in there and be aligned because me as a leader, I tell myself stories. I start over-functioning. You try to calm me down. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, we realized it over Memorial Day. And it's like, holy cow, we're not going to meet for two weeks as a right. team. That just doesn't feel right. Right. Because we need that rhythm right. of checking in, getting clear, answering questions. And so it's just, you know, clear is nice. Give your team, you know, knowledge of what to expect day to day. Give them boundaries, but give them latitude and just a culture of consistency, clear, consistent communication. Yeah. Talk about that consistency and knowing what to expect. How important is that for a team member? It's super important. Your, your team each teammate on your team has their own life. They got their own baggage. They got their own stuff going on. And for many people, coming to work is like a release. It's a, right. you know, it's where, okay, I know how the day is going to go. I can turn off all the life stresses and I can do what I love to do. And if we are providing a situation where they don't feel safe and they don't know what to expect, then we're just adding stress to their life. Right. And they're not going to perform well. And they probably are going to leave eventually. Right. Remember, if you're a dentist and you're listening, you're a leader and one of the most safest places in your team members' lives is in your practice. It's predictable. It's, and you can't come to the line of scrimmage and go, Omaha, Omaha. (laughs) It (laughs) freaks them out. It looks good on TV. Blue 52. Yeah. It it just uh, freaks, it freaks them out. So, you know, the whole concept of clear is nice, create some consistency have no surprises at work. The less surprises you have, the better. You got it. Number two. Concept number two. Find the right who and the right people solve lots of challenges. Can you explain that one? Yeah. And and then I'm going to turn it back to you because you're, uh, you know, you, you help me see this all the time in that um, a lot of our challenges and our problems become easier to overcome with the right people in the right seat. So we, I, as a dentist and as a detail guy, always am looking for how and what and when. And you're, you always coach me to say, it's about a who. Yeah. Let's find the right person. Right. So um, tell, me, tell me where you got this idea. And <laughs> because you, it, it has been so transformative for us to find the right people, put them in the right seat, and... Um, Tell me you've experienced that firsthand. So talk about it. Okay. So I'm raising teenage girls, teenage daughters. Okay. You know, it's all about the value system. Okay. You know, don't worry how flashy, how smart somebody is. They, they all carry this internal value system. Mm -hmm. So I'm experiencing that with daughters and you have to let them fail and they got to get their hearts broken. And at the end of the day, they're like, oh, I really like this guy. Why do you like it? Well, he's a good human being, you know? And I'm like, okay. No matter what you do. And now I didn't come up with this. There are other people that have said this better. Most notably Jim Collins Mm -hmm. says, if you look in the book, good to great, the best companies did not start with what they started with who he makes the point in that book, which was the first time I heard it. And then I had to hear it again, which is typically how I have to hear things in your industry, no matter what industry you're in, you have to figure out who do you want to be working with? Because if the industry changes, let's say dentistry completely changes. It just gets weird. Yeah. You can survive with the right who's. They are all in on your value system, no matter if the entire industry gets disrupted. Mm -hmm. Dan Sullivan wrote a book from Strategic Coach called, you know, um, Who Not What? You know, Who Not What? It's a terrible book, but 
So don't read it. But the title's awesome. I love Dan yeah. Sullivan. Dan, yeah. if you're listening, I'm sorry. It is, it's terrible. <laughs> but the whole cover of the book tells you this, the story. Right. Like right. The story is this. Don't try to figure out what, because when you get the right who, they figure out the what. And I found that to be absolutely true. Now, again, one more thing that you have to think about as a leader, you don't want to do everything. Right. What you dream of, what you dream of is a day where you can go to somebody and go, you're my person for this. How are you doing? How can I help you? Right. How can I support you? And they go, you go back to doing what you do. I got this. Right. And then they come to you and when they're stuck and you can add what you add best, which is the vision, sometimes the execution, creative problem solving. What's your experience on who versus what? Well, when you have the right people around you, just life gets easier. Uh, your kids, your wife. Um, right. your coworkers. Um, and not only does life get easier, it becomes more enjoyable. Right. And so I think we all, we, we all get the idea of the right people and who, and, and so much it's been a, a gut reaction for probably most dentists um, listening, say he or she's the right person, but tell us, tell us why we have that gut reaction. When someone's like, that's the right person. Tell us why, what we've, what we've, um, distinguished and figured out over time it's values yeah. it's a now, now again i'm borrowing because okay. that's what we all do borrow great information we had a coach come in here and said you only hire two people for you only hire people for two reasons yeah. number one they fit your core values number two they get results you don't hire them because they've been here for a long time they're a nice person they came with the practice they're your neighbor you think they might be good at the end of the day your favorite team members they fit your core values and you've stated them. We have six of them here at Act Dental. And I'll go back to what you said. It's core values. Yeah. Core values is it's one of those phrases that, you know, as time has gone on, people go, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. What's next? And I'll tell you, there is nothing next. You get really good at core values because that's how you, your favorite people you'll ever meet in a chair at work in your own personal life, they care about the same things you care about. The least favorite people you ever meet. It's not that they're bad people. They just don't care about the same things. And right. so you got to get your core values right. And then when you get the right core values, I'm telling you guys, the more you lean into core values, the less crazy stuff you ever deal with. And I'll say one more thing. That's not true. I'm going to say a lot more things. <laughs> you never worry about your great team members. You never think about your great team members. You only think of who you think of the one that's driving you right. crazy and you, it's hard to go to the gym. It's hard to think. It's hard to focus on a baseball game that your son is playing in, or you're just thinking about the squeaky wheel and it's not their fault. Yeah. It's when ours. Wake, when you wake up at three 30 in the morning and can't get back to sleep, you're not thinking about the, the team members that share your core values. You're you're like, to your point, you're thinking right. and stressing about the one, the one that's driving you crazy. That doesn't fit, you know, he or she doesn't fit. And you're a wuss because you're not letting he or she go. Right. And, you know, Patrick Lencioni uses this phrase called peer-to-peer accountability. Yeah. It sounds wonderful. Right. And until you go down the path of core values, you don't see it. And then you have people that come to you later on when you're hiring people or yeah. whatever, they hold that, they hold that, that flag pretty high. Right. And say, listen, you know, this person might not fit our values. What you'll do when you find the right, so again, the second concept here is, you, you give up a lot of control and magical things happen. When you get the right person in the right seat, like Peter Dawson said, you can produce twice as much in half the time with the quarter of the stress. Yeah. It's my, crazy. My favorite part about core values is they guide behavior. Right. And so 
When you have core values and you've talked about them with your team and you have them up on the wall and you talk about them and then you have some behavior that doesn't match, you have a foundation to fall back on. Right. You can say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. It doesn't match our previously stated and discussed core values. We need to correct that behavior. Yeah. Without those core values and without that framework, you just look like a bad guy. Yeah, you do. And so core values are wonderful, and, and they're often, to your point, seen as touchy-feely, but they're not. They're tangible. They guide behavior. They tell, they tell the team exactly who we are, where we're going, and how I should behave day in and day out. Yeah. Now, one thing you're really good at is reminding us. And so you always say, a dentist needs to be a oh. CRO. What does CRO stand for? Chief Repeating Officer. Right. And again, I didn't come up with that. I borrowed that from somebody. <laughs> but like, you do it at home. You, you say the to. same thing. And my dad was the Chief Repeating Officer. Like, just the values thing. Mm-hmm. I have said this a million times. And it's right. okay to repeat things. Remember, yes. the average adult, it takes seven times, seven different ways for them to really understand it. And it's okay to repeat the things that are most important. And that's Remember, the average. So some need to hear it 14 or 21 times. Well, I mean, 18, 19 times my, right. on, you know, on my side of things. But here's what's really cool. When you, can, when you do the chief repeating officer thing, your values show up not only in just behavior, which is most mm-hmm. important, but they also show up in tough decisions. You're going to be presented with difficult decisions. And you can go back to your values and can say, you know, all roads lead home to our values. So I'm going to repeat over and over again who we are, why we do what we do. And it's amazing how people pick that up. Your kids will pick that up. My hope is that I'm going to grab a grandfather someday yes. and I'm sitting at the table and I'm like, wow, look at that. I've heard that one before. <laughs> so it's okay to be the chief repeating officer, don't you think? Absolutely. And we like that consistency from the people that lead. hundred percent. And, you know, so we're going to, we're going to get, before we leave uh, here today, we're going to give you some things to take home and use on Monday. I think this is number one. Don't worry about repeating yourself. And actually, when it comes to core values, if you don't have them, identify them. We have tools. If you have identified them, talk about them with your team. Right. Put them up on the wall and then repeat them. Meaning you got to talk about them every single week. We talk about it in our meetings every week. We right. identify them. We celebrate one another. We, we highlight a core value. Because if it's, if it's on the wall, but you're not talking about it or repeating yourself, they're not living. They're not breathing. They're not part of your culture. Right. One more thing on values is they're verbs. They're not aspirational things like excellence or right. integrity. If you have to have a core value of integrity, just don't <laughs> bother. You know, seriously, come on. That's like basic to get in the door. Right. Your core values should be verbs that make your heart sing. Mm-hmm. You know, give greater than get is one of my favorite here. Yeah. Like always give the world more than you expect. Always be growing is another one of my favorite. I could, I could take this entire podcast, which I won't for another 45 minutes and go, go through why every core value is so important because I love CE. I love being better today than we were yesterday. And so you as a dentist might have those, you've got to bring them alive somehow in simple phrases that are verbs that you say, I love that. That makes my heart sing. And one more thing on the values thing, when you're talking about values every day, it's bigger than talking about processes. Remember, I told you to set up the tray this way and we're supposed to go this direction. And remember, I want it counterclockwise and parallel. And that just gets old after a while. Right. When you're with somebody who's... I like that dentist voice. You like that? That's <laughs> very dentist nice. Voice. I'm, I'm going to combine a whole bunch of different concepts. Great leaders speak to people's hearts. Yeah, I love it. Great managers speak to people's heads. So... That's where the values comes into play. You can be a great leader, 
but I was saying, look, listen, this is just, that's not the direction we're going. Yeah. It's good stuff. Okay. So some, some take home leadership tools that they, the listeners can start using money. We talked about chief repeating officer. Next one we have here is don't give orders, ask questions. Mm, that's a hard one. I know you're good at it though. So do you think so? I do. I do. <laughs> I need a lot of work on that. <laughs> I'm trying to be better on that's that's a daily walk for me because I have assumptions, I have yeah. stories, and I, I wanna be better about that. And I agree. When you start with a question, you certainly start to employ that entire concept that Stephen Covey said, seek first to understand before being understood. Now everyone would agree that's a great thought, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but how? Right. <laughs> So, well, you know, and I think it goes back to the hallway versus railroad. And by asking questions, you are teaching your team member to become their own thinker, their yeah. own, you know, their own leader. And you can kind of co-diagnose with them the best solution to a problem versus just saying, do this, right? do this, do it this way. Right. You can provide some guidance and like, hey, my goal is for us to get here but help me design the path to get there. Right. You know, and now you're teaching skills that this person and this team can leverage for a long time. Right. You're also transitioning the thought process in the brain. And you teach this in TTT. When you ask somebody a question, their whole entire brain chemistry changes. What happens? Yeah. When you, when you ask open-ended questions, um, we force ourselves into the frontal cortex and the frontal cortex is the, the region of the brain that deals with logic and reasoning. And so when we're in, when we're in our practice and we're trying to solve problems, we need, we have to be thinking rationally. If we're in our emotional rear brain, um, it's going to be harder. Emotion right. doesn't, emotion and logic don't go together. You, there are two different brain centers that you can't use both of them at the same time. And so questions are a great way to get someone to think rationally and logically. Yeah. Now, another take home that we're going to ask people to do, if you're listening, triangulation. Now, triangulation is one of the killers in any organization, any family. Triangulation is when somebody comes to you with a problem about somebody else. Yes. And you embrace it and you go, thank you for this problem. Let me solve the problem. Yes. And I'm going to go to the person that you're attacking. Yes. And I'm going to rescue everyone. And you're thinking you're going to, you're, you're going to do something good, but what ultimately happens? You become a bad guy. How? Yeah. I'm trying to help. I know. All right. And, and I experienced this early in my career and I didn't even really realize what happened until, um, I th- you know, I got into coaching with you and I actually was listening to you in triangulation. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened. And I remember right. it like it was yesterday. Same thing. There's a victim. Yeah. The triangles, there's a victim, there's a persecutor and, and, and there's the boss or the enabler, or the savior, if you will. And so the, the, the victim comes to the savior and says, so-and-so is really right. bugging me because he or she did this and I need you to fix it. Right. And you as a boss, I, as a boss, like, I got this, I can fix this like in 30 seconds. So right. I pound my, my feet upstairs, I climb up and I'm like, I'm going to fix this problem. And I fixed it. Yeah. And then the outcome was both of them didn't like me. Both were mad at me. Both of them what? had tears in their eyes. I'm like, well, that didn't work well. Yeah. Not only did I not fix a problem, but now I have two people mad at me and upset with me. And so um, we talk about, you talk about don't connect the triangle. And so kind of overlapping is this new thought press that our coach, Jamie, gave us is make the easy path the hard path. I'm going to explain that Can in a minute, but I got to piggyback on your train wreck <laughs> with a bigger train wreck. Okay. okay because I think if you're listening, you've been in these situations. You're trying to be a good person. You get this problem. And then what I did 
is I would go to the other person, but not really tell them the whole truth and go, Hey, you're doing a great job. And you know, one of the things we might be able, like, I'm just sugarcoating the whole thing, (laughs) which fuels one emotions person. And then if you've ever been in this situation, this is the worst position you've ever been when you're texting both of them at night after work. Let me text her. No, let me call. Oh, shoot. I got to call her. And I tell my wife, I got to go outside. I got, I know we're eating dinner, but I just got to call this team member. She's upset, you know, and then you call the team member and now I'm outside on the sidewalk outside the restaurant window. Yeah. While this team member's crying in one ear and my wife is looking at me with that thousand yard stare that's burning a hole through me. Like, Hey, why don't you just talk on the phone while I raise our children? And I'm like, and I'm doing the whole hand, honey, I got to take this call right now. So, and it doesn't get better. And what you're doing, if you're having conversations after work, that's unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Just know that those things should be addressed in real time. And I'm saying this as a recovering Mm -hmm. person who just employed all that. Um, it's just not healthy. And it really, you do need a coach to help you pull out of the mud. Cause this isn't something I would have figured out. And no. to your point, Jamie, our coach, she taught us this one. We, I brought this to her mm-hmm. and it, the truth of it is, is that I was still doing some triangulation mm-hmm. in the business and there's other, there were other, you know, aspects of it going on. she said, you have to make the easy path the hard path. And what she explained was the easy path is for me to go and complain. Mm-hmm. You got to turn that around. Given two choices, people will always pick the easy path. And what you have to do is you got to draw a line through that and go, that's the hard path. And here's how you're going to do it. So write this down. If you're listening, are you going to tell them or am I right? It's a moment of truth and it pauses what's going on here to say, you have to take this to the other person. Yes. Did I, did that's I teach per- it right? That's, that's perfect. And, 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 and so when we talk about triangulation, um, when we have dentists in this room here in Milwaukee, everyone nods their head because mm-hmm. every dentist knows exactly what this situation is. Right. And the person is coming to you as a dentist only because they have been taught to know that you're going to take care of it. You're going to take their problem off of their shoulder and put it on yours and take care of it. So that's easy. I'm going to go dump my problem on you. But if I, as your team member, know if I go to Kirk with a problem, I know he's going to ask me to deal with it. He might coach me, but I'm going to have to solve this. Now it becomes harder. Mm-hmm. And when, and that's okay, because then I know when I go to you, I might say, Kirk, I need to deal with this problem on my own, but I need some coaching. That's right. what you as a leader want instead of, hey, Kirk, solve this for me. Right. You can also embrace conflict that can be very intense mm-hmm. knowing we're going to be okay. Yes. People will still bring you problems. You go, wow, this is a big one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm thank you. And are you going to tell them or I? Yeah. Here's now I, I'm going to completely support our values where we're headed it's an awesome thing. You got to, and like everything, this is a practice. You got to try it once and go, wow, that worked. Right. And you'll still screw up. Yes. And so don't expect perfect. We're all learning together here. So let's put some final takeaways on this. You know, here's the, here's the bottom line. You can be a boss and a nice person at the same time. Your goal should not to be, you shouldn't try to be nice. Just be clear first. Now I'm not telling you to be mean. No. But the more clear you can be, people will enjoy that. They'll think well of you. We're going to pull some cards out here. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, I got notes all over the place. <laughs> so 
you know, being a boss means giving your your team fulfillment in their jobs. Explain that one. Yeah, we want to grow leaders, right? So if we grow leaders, if we give our teams skills to solve their own problems, to think outside the box, to have trust, then our job gets a lot easier and we've made them better people. Right. And they're going to in turn help us be better people. We also want to provide fulfillment. So everyone wants to go to a job where they have purpose, where they have autonomy, where they have trust, where they can be themselves when, when they know they can screw up and it's not going to be held against them. And, um, that only comes from clarity, from knowing what to expect, from building core values. And that, our, our point is this is what people are looking for. Right. They don't want you to be nice. Right. They want you to just tell them how you want it done, give them some autonomy to help you get there, and they're going to love their job. Right. And for another podcast, what this is going to set you up for is how to create other leaders. Mm-hmm. I don't know who said this, but they said it brilliantly. And I've heard it many times, and I had somebody say it directly to me. You're not really a leader until you create other leaders that create other leaders. That's a real leader. And when you really grab what that means, it means you're modeling a communication. You're being consistent. You're going to teach other people how to communicate in a healthy way, which means they'll teach other people. It's going to free up your time. You'll look back and go, wow, we've created something healthy, special, and all I had to do was be clear. You so, got it. Good stuff. Cool. Any last thoughts? No. Awesome. I thought thought it was a a very valuable uh, podcast topic in in that, that we all deal with this and it's super hard. And so kind of the take home message is just get started. Yeah. Repeat your core values. Don't solve, don't give orders, ask questions and don't create, don't solve, don't connect the triangle. Right. Ask the question. Are you going to tell her or am I? Yeah. Just do those three things. Try it. You'll fumble through it. You'll make mistakes, but you're going to get better. You will get better. And that's what being a human being is all about. If you're better today than you were yesterday, everything's getting out better around you. So good stuff. Thanks for being, this is always enlightening. I feel like I get my own personal therapy session Me too. It's like cold, cold therapy. <laughs> so stick around. I want to say right. goodbye to everybody else, but thank you guys for listening to the best practices show. Hey, leadership is not easy. It's hard. And our hope is that this information keeps showing up. This podcast is called the best practices show. Our job for the rest of our careers is to bring you the best information to help you become better so the people around you get better. So I hope this was helpful for you today. If you still need some help, reach out to us. You can join us for our To The Top Study Club where you're gonna be surrounded by other leaders that actually practice this stuff. But keep showing up, keep sending us your challenges. And until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to The Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.